Let's all bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we give you all praise today. We thank you for bringing us here to worship you, to fellowship with those of like faith. Father, we pray that always what we do here at this ministry as, as a congregation, as individuals, that we would be honoring to you, that we would do those things that would be pleasing to you, and that we would walk always according to your ways and according to your standards. Father, we give you all praise. We give you all praise and all thankfulness for all that you do. For the little, from the little things to the big things, Father, we know that all good things come from you. And, and we pray that you would be with each one of us and help us to grow and become better servants of yours and better disciples. And we ask all this on this Sabbath day through the name of your son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. Certainly um, good to see some of the visitors today. And wanted to start off just talking a little bit about tabernacles. I don't know the exact exact days, but I think we're about five weeks, believe it or not, five weeks away from tabernacles. And uh, so Jose's already talked about it, but certainly encourage everybody to begin making plans, prepare for this time. It'll uh, quickly be upon us. And uh, if you haven't registered yet and you know you're coming, we would encourage you to do that. It always helps to know who's coming so we can make plans. So again, if you're coming, you haven't registered, it's real easy. We've made it a very, very easy process. Go online, warm.org, click on the uh, Feast, go to Feast of Tabernacles, and you can register. And uh, we know that we are coming. We can make you a nifty little name tag and, and uh, take account of uh, your, your presence. Also, if you have kids, that helps too, is we have lots and lots of kids I think um, I got to count them to a teen class this year, and I'm not sure how that, that'll go, but fire and brimstone probably for the kids. But uh, it's going to be 13 to, nine, uh, 13 to 18, I think, 13 to something like that. And uh, I got to count, and I think we have 20 or 20 plus just within that age group, so that's great. That's, I think that's most teenagers we've had. And uh, so that'll be uh, a great. I also want to thank everyone real quickly for those who's been coming out for the uh, work nights. Uh, I know many of you have been with us for many years. Uh, you remember those nights. One of the sisters here reminded me that, yeah, we, we, you know, we used to do this every, every Wednesday. And uh, there are kids. They don't even remember this. It's been so long. But we've, uh, we've resurrected this, at least for the time being. And We'll probably be doing this more often, at least until the feast. We have a lot to uh, do for the uh, building and to get that ready. But uh, that's going to be a blessing. Uh, we have uh, 27 rooms that will be available. Actually, they're all full except, except one, I think. And, and uh, uh, the communal bathrooms and kitchen and a 60 by 60 gym for the kids and the big kids. And uh, so it's going to be really, really great. Or today, I want to talk about, as you can see in the slide here, how to be thankful. It's not a real, real um, deep message in the sense of theological message, but it's certainly an important message, I believe. You know, there's lots of reasons as a believer we should be thankful. I want to give some of those reasons today. We're obviously none greater than the promise of eternal life within our Father's kingdom. There's nothing. There's nothing that should bring more happiness, more gratitude, more thankfulness than the promise we have. And we'll talk more about that as we go through this message. You know what's sad, though, is that many people struggle with this. Many people today, they're not happy. They're not content. They're not thankful for what they have in life, where they're at in life. As people, I believe we must choose to be thankful. You know, just as we have to choose to be happy, as we have to choose to be content, 
I really believe we have to choose to be thankful. It's not something that just happens. That's something we need to be cognizant of, something we need to be aware of, something we, again, need to choose as believers. You know, the truth is we can always find something to complain about. And, and there's people like that, no matter what it is. You know, they always find a way to look at things from a negative standpoint. They're never happy. They're never content. They're never thankful. They're never grateful for what they have in life. You know, I believe if we choose, though, to have the right frame of mind, you know, we can be thank- thankful. We can be grateful. We, be- we can be content no matter where we're at in life, no matter what we're facing, no matter what challenges we might be going through. We can be thankful. You know, being thankful is not found in our situations. It's not found in what we have. It's not found in our abundance. That's not found in our jobs. It's not found in our social status. Being thankful is how we view life. So in this message, again, we're going to review different ways we can be thankful. And, you know, sometimes it's good just to be reminded of some of these things. You know, we all know it. I don't think anyone's going to walk away from this message and say, wow, you know, I, I never knew that. I, I think we all know this. But sometimes it's good to be reminded. So the first way to be thankful is to, to counter blessings, to counter blessings to be, and be content with what we have. And I want to open up with Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content, it says, with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he begins here by saying that our conversation should be without what? says that it should be without covetousness. Now the word conversation here is really rich, has a rich meaning within the Greek. It comes from the Greek tropos. Strong's defines this in one way in a way in deportment or character. Character. So conversation is more than what we say verbally. Conversation is more than what we say. Conversation is also our character, who we are as a person, what we do as a person. This is what we find here. It's not just what we're saying. You know, as believers, it says we're not to want, we're not to covet that which belongs not to us. goes on to say that we're, be, we're to be content with what we have. You know, happiness or being thankful is not found in stuff. How many people, though, gauge their thankfulness based on their stuff, based on what they accumulate, based on what they have, based on their position, based on their wealth, based on their money, maybe based on what they have in the bank? And depending on those factors, they're thankful or they're not thankful. Thankfulness is not found in stuff. You know, in many cases, more we have, more disgruntled we become. Have you ever noticed that? The more we have, the more disgruntled we are. You know, I've read some, some of the most unhappy people are those who win the lottery. It's true. Many people who win the lottery, they're just horribly upset. They're just horribly miserable. They're miserable people. They don't know how to deal with the money, and they're just not happy. You know, some people believe money brings happiness, or nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, as a minister, I've met a lot of people over the years. I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to people with money. I've also talked to people very poor. And, you know, in many cases, I believe those who are wealthy are less happy. They're less thankful than those who are poor, those who have little. And I think one reason is, is when we don't have much, we learn to be thankful for what we do have. And we realize the blessings that Yahweh was given. Well, you know, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Yahshua echoes this message. He says there, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. So you see, 
You see the connection there. When we see covetousness, we also see that we're to be content. Covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. You know, as we saw in Hebrews, Joshua begins here with a warning against covetousness. This word comes from the Greek pleonexia, and it refers to greed. You know, as believers in in the Bible, we're not to be greedy. We're not to be covetousness, as it says here. We're to be satisfied with those things that Yahweh provides. But, you know, some people are never that way. They always want something more. They want something that another person may have. They think maybe they deserve that. Or, you know, as human beings, we don't deserve a thing. This whole uh, philosophy that I breathe, therefore I deserve, well, that's not something we find in the Bible. Joshua goes on here to say that a man's life is not defined by his possessions. You know, so many people today, they have this mindset that they are defined, again, by their stuff, by what they have. For example, in their mind, owning a big home or owning an expensive car makes them a better person, makes them a more important person, makes them a more prestigious person. Nothing could be further from the truth. This type of thinking is not only wrong, but is completely counter to what we find from our Father in Heaven. Listen, Yahweh doesn't care about these things. The worldly things that we gain in this life means nothing to him. Yahweh is much more concerned about our character, who we are as a person, our willingness to serve, our willingness to follow him, our willingness to sacrifice for him, our willingness to to do what he says. He doesn't care about these things. So one method of being happy is counting our blessings and being content with what we have. It's not real complicated, is it? Real simple. Being content... Being content with what we have. Now, another key is focusing on the eternal and not the temporal. It's hard to do as human beings focusing on the eternal because, you know, we're living in the temporal. We're living in the now. But this is one way we do, I believe, maintain a thankfulness. A few uh, weeks ago, I gave a message on Ecclesiastes. Anyone who knows me fairly well knows it's one of my favorite books. I love the book of Ecclesiastes, not because it's exciting, but it's so much wisdom there. Isn't it amazing, the book of Ecclesiastes? Have you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes and really, really considered the wisdom we find? It's just amazing. It blows my mind. Here's what Solomon, though, says in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. He says, vanity of vanities, says a preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Do you think there's a reason why he's repetitive? Do you think he's trying to convey something? By the use of vanity here? Or of course he is. He says all is vanity. This word comes from the Hebrew word hebel. According to Strong's, it means emptiness or vanity or something transitory or unsatisfactory. Besides for Yahshua the Messiah, I believe that Solomon may have understood the purpose and meaning of life better than any other man. I could be wrong with that. Maybe someone else did. But we certainly know that he was blessed with incredible wisdom. The Bible says that says that his wisdom excelled those in the East, excelled those in Egypt. This man just had incredible insight. And I believe maybe he understood life better than anybody but for the Messiah. He realized, for one, that the nature of life was empty and short. Transitory, that's what transitory means, short. And I believe this to be true, especially when we compare this life to the life to come. And as believers, I think we need to sometimes take a break, pause, and really consider and contemplate the life to come. 
You know, we all know that this life is not easy. We all have challenges, some more than others. Everybody has their own troubles. You know, even those who seem to have everything in order, I've seen that, the model family, the model person, the model couple, and you think that everything's just hunky-dory. You think that there's no issues, but there's always something people are dealing with, everybody. Everybody deals with something. Again, life is not easy, and for this reason, it's important that we remember that which lies ahead. And again, we need to choose to do this. It's like choosing to be happy, choosing to be thankful. We need, we, we need to choose to think about what lies ahead. You know, we see a great promise in Revelation 21. I'm not going to turn there, but New Jerusalem. It says there that there would be no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more death. We know that only blessings in Yahweh at that point. Of course, that's after the millennium. As we talked about in the Bible study, all this stuff will be cleaned up after that point, and it really, really will be a utopia on earth. Well, this alone should give us reason to be thankful. Even though life is now vain, is short, is troublesome, we know that life in the kingdom will not. It's going to be paradise, literally paradise. Now, from Hebrews 12, verse 28, we find the permanence of this promise. It says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve Elohim acceptably with reverence, notice that, with reverence and awe. For our Elohim is a consuming fire. What do you suppose it means here when it says a kingdom which cannot be moved? A kingdom which cannot be moved. Where for me, this conveys the absolute, the absolute perpetuity of Yahweh's kingdom. In this life, very few things are certain. Very few things in life are certain. For example, we don't know what the future holds when it comes to our relationships, do we? We don't know what the future holds when it comes to our employment. We don't know what the future holds when it comes to our life. We may be gone tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know. There's no certainty in this life. In a moment, any one of these things can change. This is not true, though, of Yahweh's kingdom. The promises that Yahweh has given us are permanent, they're reliable, and they're unchanging. With that, we also know that they are far greater. Again, there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, not even death. Death itself will exist. We know that Paul says... In 1 Corinthians 15, that death is to be the final enemy, that is, to be conquered. Death. We also know that from Revelation 20 that the last thing to be thrown into the lake of fire is Hades or death. So death will someday no longer exist. Can you even contemplate that in your mind? Someday death will no longer exist. But we know that to be true. We know that someday death, Hades, will be no more. We also see here that we're to serve our Father in heaven with what? It says reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. Awe. Now the word reverence, if you look at the Greek here, refers to righteous fear. It can also mean reverence and respect, but it also means righteous fear. I'm a big believer that we should fear our maker. A lot of people, they don't fear their maker, and I believe that's the reason we see the mess we do in this world. People don't fear the one they worship. We need to fear the one we worship. And as we see here in verse 29, it says that Yahweh is a consuming fire. Do you think, you know, there's a reason why it says that there. 
and it's to bring home the point that we're to fear our maker. We also know what Paul says in the book of Philippians, one of my favorite passages there in Philippians, where it says there in Philippians that we're to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. You know, some people say there's no reason to fear the one we worship. Some people say we shouldn't fear the one we worship. Some people say that we should only respect or reverence the one we, and certainly we should respect or reverence the one we worship. But if it doesn't go to the point of a righteous fear, I believe we're missing the mark. We also see in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, that we must make a separation between us and the world. And this is such an important point. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father. You see, what we see now is not reflective of Almighty Yahweh. It says, but is of the world. And the world, what, what does the world do? The world endures forever? No, it says the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that does the will of Elohim abideth forever. So what's the first thing we find here where John says, love not the world? That's what we're commanded here, love not the world. You know, these are some of those most important words I believe we find in the New Testament because how many people love the world today? How many believers love the world? Many believers, whether they know it or not, they love this world. Now, why is it important that we love not the world? Where the Bible says here that if we love the world, that we don't love Yahweh. You see, if we love the world... We're embracing the world, and we're not embracing the one we worship. You know, this is similar to what Yahshua said about mammon. In the book of Matthew, Yahshua said that we could not serve both Yahweh and mammon. Mammon, by the way, is wealth personified. And he says that we would have to serve one or the other. He says that we would have to love the one and hate the other. He says that we would have to choose the one and, and not the other. The same thing is true here. We must choose whether we're going to follow the world or we're going to choose to follow Yahweh. But for those who try to do both, and there are those who do this, they can't succeed. We must choose which one we're going to be loyal to. Now, why can't we succeed? Have you ever thought, you know, why can't we serve both Mammon and, and Yahweh? Well, you see, the, 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 the two are diametrically opposed. They have competing values, competing interests. This world doesn't have Yahweh's interest at heart. And Yahweh certainly doesn't have this world at heart. So again, you know, as we see here, this world represents lust and pride. Two sins that are very contradictory to Yahweh's word. You know, he closes here by saying that this world will pass away. But he promises that those who follow him will never pass away. Again, we need to focus on the, on the eternal and not the temporal. Realizing that what we have now, what we see now, what we experience now, what we live in now is temporal. But Yahweh's kingdom, it says, will never pass away. It will be forever. You know, as we saw in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2, this life is vain or vanity, referring to short, transitory, useless, insignificant. You know, based on this and elsewhere, life within Yahweh's kingdom is eternal forever. You know, this should give us reason, I would think, to be thankful, to be grateful, to realize what awaits us in the life to come, to realize that we have something vastly greater than what we have before us today, to realize that we have a great promise that awaits us within our Father's kingdom, 
This should give us reason to be thankful. And I hope it does. I hope it does. Now, another key in being thankful is removing self. This is another big one, I believe. Removing self and focusing on the needs of others. You know, Paul speaks about this in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5, says this. He says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. But in lowliness of mind. So this is how we're to interact. This is how we're to behave. This is how we're to, how we're to be amongst one another. It says, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in who? It says, which was also in Messiah Yahshua. So what does it mean, number one, strife and vainglory? We see these words. Of course, strife is a little bit more familiar, but vainglory. It's kind of an odd word. Where this word refers to pride. Vainglory, pride, self-conceit. Same thing, pride. You know, as we find in Proverbs, pride is one of the seven sins it says that Yahweh finds as an abomination. And believe me, if we're guilty of an abomination, Yahweh's not going to look upon us favorably. We're not going to gain any favor by Yahweh if we are doing abominable things and one of those things is, is being a person of pride, being a person of being a person that's arrogant. You know, Paul goes on here to say that we should do what? He says we should be or think with lowliness of mind. What does that mean? Well, it simply means that we're to be humble, that we're to think humbly. You know, as a side note, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but as a side note, why did Yahweh choose Moses? Have you ever wondered that? Maybe you've noticed it. Maybe, maybe you've, we have a lot of good Bible students in this room. Maybe you've seen it. Whereas we know he wasn't a good communicator. He didn't want the job. I mean, I, I can, we can certainly see from there that he wasn't a great leader in that sense. So why was he chosen? The Bible says that he was more meek or humble than any other man. And that's why he was chosen. He was chosen because he was humbled. He was me. You see, I was looking for those who are, who are humbled not those who are prideful. I don't care what talents you have. You know, I've seen some people with great, great talent, and they're very good at what they do, but they have pride. And I can tell you, I don't care how good you are, you're no use to Yahweh if you're a person of pride. I don't care what talent you have. And that's why some of these speakers out there, I know, and I can't listen to them, because I know their character. I don't care how smooth you are. If you're a person of pride, I can't do it. And neither can Yahweh. Now, Paul goes on here to say that we're to esteem others more than ourselves. You know, this is another way to be thankful, to focus on others before our own. You know, focusing first on the needs of others, I believe, brings great fulfillment. Brings great fulfillment, not only to those we're helping, but also to us. You know, why do you suppose this is? Or when we do this, when we do selfless acts, we remove self. And by default, I believe that this brings happiness when we remove self. You know, some of the happiest people in the world are those who help others. I'm sure you've seen examples of that. Some of the happiest and most content people out there are those who help others. Some of the most miserable people out there are those who are self-centered and self-focused. They're never happy. They're never content. They're never thankful. So sacrificing ourselves for others offers a satisfaction really found nowhere else. And I believe is another way to be thankful, to show gratitude and to be appreciative of, of what we have. You know, we know that 
Joshua understood this. Because Paul says here that, 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 that we're to have the mind of Messiah. You know, Joshua, one of my favorite passages, Joshua says in Matthew that he came not to be served, but to serve. Now think about that for just a moment. Some say ministered, but not to be served, but to serve. You know what I mean? If anybody had the position to be served, it was a Messiah. I mean, he could have legitimately said, okay, I am to be served. I'm the son of Yahweh. But he never did. He very specifically said that he came not to be served, but to serve. And as believers, we know that we're to follow in this example. You know, he did this in multiple ways, by the way. Obviously, he sacrificed his own life for our sins. That's that's the biggest, most significant, something we need to be very appreciative of. But we also know that he did this through teaching and helping others. You know, it's amazing how benevolent and how loving he was throughout his ministry the things that he would do to help others, to reach out to people. So he did this in other ways. And again, as believers, we have a great calling to follow in this example. So I would encourage those here, those of you here, and those watching and listening, to really try to serve and try to be there for others and and not to think of yourself always first, to think beyond yourself. Because believe me, I think we're going to be more thankful and we're going to be happier We're going to be more content if we're doing that. Now, it's important to be thankful in all of life's circumstances. As we've already talked about, life is not always easy. Life can be hard. Life can be horribly hard for some people. And as we see from Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, even in these cases, we should try to be thankful. It says, therefore, listen to this. I mean, listen to this guy. He says, therefore, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Messiah's sake. He says, for when I am a weak, then I am, then am I strong. Uh, Paul begins here by saying he takes pleasure in what we see here. What does this mean, take pleasure? Where it comes from the Greek, yodokio, it means to think well of. King James translates this word as to think good or to be well pleased. So we see here that Paul, he viewed these things in a positive way. So what exactly does he mention here? He mentions infirmities, that refers to sickness. Reproaches, or I think we can sort of translate as insults or injuries. Necessities, needs, different types of needs. Persecutions, hardship. Distresses, anguish, or calamity. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us take pleasure in sickness, in insults, in hardships, in times of anguish? How many of us, really? You know, we're sitting there and you're, boy, I'm glad I'm going through this anguish. I praise Yahweh that I'm going through this hardship. Very few. You know, most of us are pretty miserable, aren't we, when we're in these situations. We're complaining. We're griping. Maybe like those miserable Israelites that came out of Egypt. Griping about our situation. Griping about our sickness. Griping about our financial hardship. Griping about this. Griping about that. Paul says here that he took pleasure in these things. He took pleasure. He didn't view them as something negative. He was thankful. He, he had, believe it or not, he, he had gratitude. Now why? Why was he thankful and 
such horrible moments. Because I think we can all agree it's not good to be reproached. It's not good to be sick. It's not good to be persecuted. But Paul, somehow, he saw the positive in these situations. Why? Well, we see here Paul says when he is weak, he is what? When he is weak, he is what? He, when, when he is weak, he says, I am strong. That's why Paul was thankful. I'm sure Paul didn't really like going through those issues, but he saw the value. He saw the value in doing that. You know, when we as people suffer and are brought low, we tend sometimes to appreciate Yahweh, don't we? Realize what we have. You know, when we go through some sort of health issue, we realize what that health means. What that health means. You know, I've met people, again, from poor countries, Philippines and other places. One of the things I've always noticed generally across the board is, is, is they have faith and they're content. You know, even though many of these people suffer, they go without. You know, through their suffering, they recognize the blessings they have. They recognize what they do have because of what they don't have. You know, it's human nature to overlook our Father in heaven when life is good. Yahweh, matter of fact, you know, we even find in the Old Testament, Yahweh gave a warning to Israel. He says, you know, when you come into the land and when things are good, don't forget about me. Because Yahweh knows that's how human nature works. When we're good, when we're fat, when we're, when we're full, when we're satisfied, when we're, we're content, when we have abundance, we forget about what's most important. Yahweh says, don't do that. Yahweh warned, don't do that. And it happens. You know, sometimes going through some sort of tribulation strengthens our faith. It also puts life into perspective when we lose somebody maybe close to us. Or again, when we go through some sort of sickness or maybe something else happens, some sort of tribulation, we realize what we have. So as believers, even when life is hard, the Bible says that we're to be thankful, that we're to be grateful. Every day above ground is a good day. Every day that we have Yahweh within our lives is a good day. Even if we're suffering somehow, it's still a good day. You know, we need to remember what we do have, and not always what we don't have. How many people are like, you know, we always look at that, the way to say that, the, the cup half full, and instead of uh, we're half empty, however it goes, we're, we're you know, we're, we're there. There we go. I, I'm, I'm never good with those sayings, but you know what I mean. You know, we, we we never look at it in a positive way, and as believers, we need to look at it in a positive way. You know, there's nothing more of a blessing than having Yahweh as our Father in heaven, and having our Savior. Yahshua there beside us. There's absolutely nothing greater than those two things. We should be very thankful just based on those two things alone. We should be incredibly appreciative that we have his truth. You know, think about this. I mean, how many billions? Eight billion? Eight billion people, I think, on earth now? Something like that. A lot of people. How many people know the truth? How many people understand Yahweh's word as we do here? Not very many. You know, we should be very thankful that we understand the worth, the word. You know, this is worth all the wealth in the world when you think about it. What would you rather have, all the wealth in the world, or you have Yahweh's truth? Or well, I think many, hopefully all of us would say Yahweh's truth. Well, you know, as we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, we should always be thankful. That's what Paul says. He says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of Yahweh, Messiah Yahshua, concerning you. So Paul says, in everything we do, we should be giving thanks. We should show in gratitude. You know, as, as we saw in the previous passage, this includes, again, times of hardship. This includes when we're sick. This includes when we have infirmities. This includes when we're, when we're going through some type of uh, persecution. 
You know, as believers, we need to be thankful not only in the good times, but also in the bad. And those times were low. Life is not easy. For many people, again, life can be hard, you know. I'm sure you know people who suffer daily. Some of these people who just suffer daily with some sort of sickness. And it's an awful thing to see. You wish you could do something to help that person. So maybe take away the pain that they suffer with on a daily basis. You know what's amazing to me, though, is that some of these people who suffer like this, they still find ways to be thankful. You know anyone like that? That suffer, they suffer daily, they go through horrible stuff, and yet somehow they find a way to motivate themselves, a way to be thankful, a way to, be, to, 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 to show gratitude for where they're at. I know people like that. I know people who just suffer horribly, and yet they're, you know, they, they, they find a way. Now, if they can find a way, we can find a way. You know, if we have clothes on our back, a roof over our head, and food to eat, we should be grateful. Listen to this. One billion children worldwide are living in poverty. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day, each day due to poverty. 805 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat. More than 750 million people lack adequate access to clean drinking water. In 2011, 165 million children under the age of five were stunted due to chronic malnutrition. There are millions of people in this world suffering. There are millions of people who have no food. There are millions of people who have no shelter. There are millions of people suffering with some sort of sickness, but they have no means for the treatment. As believers, we need to remember this, and we need to be grateful for what we have. We need to realize what we have especially compared to so many who have not. You know, for most of us, we really have no comprehension of what hard is. Yeah, that's the truth. We really don't know what hard is. We think we have things hard. But we really don't know what hard is. We all have clothes, right? We all have food. We all have a place to lay our head. You're blessed. We should be happy. We should be thankful. So let us not be remiss. Let us appreciate, praise Yahweh for that which we do have, because again, we could be a number of issues. The last reason for being thankful is our Father Yahweh. That's why we should be thankful. We have Yahweh, we have his promises, and we have him as, as our mighty one. You know, he's an awesome Elohim. He really is. Here's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 12, verse 2 says this. He says, Behold, El is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. We find here salvation mentioned how many times? Twice. We see it twice. You know, earlier we talked about the greatness of Yahweh's kingdom. It really is phenomenal the kingdom and and everything we find. There's absolutely nothing greater. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more significant than eternal life within that kingdom. You know, this should give us all reason to be thankful, if not for this life, for the next. I don't know if you've ever done this. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do as human beings. But have you ever considered, have you ever tried to compare our years in this life to the years in the life to come? 
Now, again, it's really hard to do. But let's say we lived at 90. A lot, nice, long life. 90. Or how does 90 compare to uh, eternity? Forever. How does that compare? Whereas there is no comparison. There is no comparison. That, that alone should give us reason to be thankful. You have so many great promises waiting for those who will be found worthy of this calling. For those who live for him, for those who dedicate their lives to him, for those who are, uh, are happy and, and have gratitude in him. You know, we've already talked about it, but in Yahweh's kingdom again, there will be no more pain, no more anguish, no more suffering, no more death. We also see here that word of trust. It says trust in Yahweh. We're not to be afraid. You know, sometimes fear can, I believe, take away or diminish our thankfulness. Fear, being afraid, the uncertainty. You know, as believers, it's important to remember the strength we have through the one we worship, though. It's important to remember that we are strong through him. It's important to remember that there is nothing more powerful in this universe than for Almighty Yahweh. There is nothing. There is no being greater than the one we worship. And I firmly believe that as long as we pursue him, as long as we follow him, as long as we make him our focus, he will never forsake us. So you know what? We need to put our courage in him. We need to put our faith in him. And he's going to see us through. That's why we should never be afraid. Because again, I do believe it, believe it reduces that thankfulness that we should have. You know, remember that we can do all things through him. There is nothing we can't do. Now, maybe not everything is his will, and sometimes we have to accept that. You know, sometimes I sit and wonder, you know, why so-and-so has to suffer the way he or she does. And I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But I do know that Yahweh will never completely forsake us. I do know that the the, the scripture promises eternal life within his kingdom. And I know that all the disease and, and, and the hardship and everything we go through will someday be gone. As we also see in James chapter 1, verse 17, another reason is that Yahweh is completely reliable. It says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So it says here that all good gifts are from where? All good gifts are from the world. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says all good gifts or from Yahweh above. You know, we've talked about this already. There's really nothing of substance that we gain from this world, is there? I'm sorry, that BMW doesn't mean a whole lot. That big home doesn't mean a whole lot. There's nothing of value there. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. It's a chasing after wind. At the end, we all die. We all go to the same place. And whatever we accumulated will go. It will vanish we cannot bring it with us. You know, as we heard from Yahshua, man is not defined by his possessions. A person is not defined by what they have, what they accumulate, or their position. You know, some people, they spend their entire lives focused on this one prestigious position. And then they retire, and everybody forgets about who they were. You know, real blessings are not found in this world. Real blessings are found in Yahweh's word. You know, here's just some examples. Obviously, Yahweh's truth is a huge example. Yahweh's truth is a blessing and something we should be very thankful of. But also, Yahshua, his sacrifice, this is something we should be thankful of. Family. 
You know, we should be thankful of family. We should be thankful of the family we have here in the assembly. These are all, I believe, gifts from above. It's not something we've achieved from the world. It's gifts from above. We also see here that Yahweh, it says, has no variableness. What does that mean, variableness? When the Strong's defines it as a fickleness. There is no fickleness with the one we worship. As we see in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says there that Yahweh doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why it always just baffles me how these people, they, they view Yahweh in the Old Testament as, as, as something different from, from the new, as if he changed. Where Yahweh doesn't change. The same morality, the same standards, the same compassion, the same love, the same patience. And believe me, he showed a lot of patience to Israel in the Old Testament. Some people, they... They look at Israel today and they said, or how can Israel be Yahweh's people if they're doing such and such? And I say, when in the world, in the history of Israel, have they ever done what was right? I mean, was it when they were belled and Yahweh had to take them into Babylonian bondage or maybe Israel and take them into Assyrian bondage? Was it, you know, when was it? When, when did Israel do really what was right on a long term? And I don't see it. Saying that, I believe that they will always be cherished and beloved of Yahweh because of the covenant that he made with Abraham. But as we see here, Yahweh doesn't change. He's constant. Well, this means that he is reliable, dependable, and consistent with what he does. And I believe this, too, is something we can be thankful of. He's not fickle like man. He doesn't change like man. You know, these people, everybody, you know, we all have a, a, an ability to... to to not be constant. But Yahweh's not that way. He's completely reliable. First, uh, First Chronicles 16, verse 34, we see this solidified here. It says, O oh, give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So this is another reason. You know, Yahweh's mercy is an amazing thing. And some of these people who claim that Yahweh wasn't merciful in the Old Testament, they're not reading their Bible. Yahweh was incredibly incredible, incredibly merciful in the Old Testament. It's amazing the mercy he showed. One of the, take a detour here. One of my favorite passages is, uh, I have a lot of those, by the way, but one of, I, I, I say that a lot, don't I? One of my favorite passages. Or here's another one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 1. I'm not going to turn there, but Isaiah 1. And, um, of course, we see in that passage, Yahweh compares Judah to Sodom and Gomorrah. They were in pretty bad shape at this point. But in verse 15 through 18, we see that Yahweh's reason. And at one point he says, come now and let us reason together. Then he explains, you know, look, if you turn away from your sin, if you turn to me, you know, that, that scarlet is going to be white. Then I'm going to forgive your sins. And believe me, Israel was doing some pretty bad things at this point. If you read some of the sins that they were guilty of, it would make us blush. And yet, we find Yahweh showing mercy. So Yahweh's mercy is such a, such a wonderful thing. And you know, when we consider the greatness of our Father in heaven, it's amazing that he, he has any concern whatsoever for mankind, isn't it? Well, let me explain that a bit further. On one hand, we have Yahweh, the most powerful and perfect being in this universe. He is utterly righteous, utterly holy, and utterly perfect. On the other hand, we have mankind, a being that is flawed, rebellious, and stubborn. Considering that Yahweh shows mercy is really remarkable. 
in my opinion, is really something that Yahweh is willing to show loving kindness, pity. But, you know, in Psalms 103, which is another one of my favorite passages, Psalms 103, we see there that as a father pities his children, so does Yahweh pities them that fear him. That's what Scripture says. So Yahweh pities those who follow him. And I know we would all agree when I say that Yahweh's love, Yahweh's mercy is amazing. Matter of fact, we see an example of that. John chapter 3, verse 16. I want to close with this. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this. For Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is one of the most often quoted passages in the Bible, and for good reason. It says here that Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he sacrificed his only son. You know, have you ever considered the price Yahweh paid for our sins? I know we often say, you know, have we ever considered what Yahshua did for our sins? But have we ever considered the price that Yahweh paid for offering up his only begotten son? You know, we know from the word that Yahweh can be grieved. Yahweh can be sad, and we're created in his image. I believe that all the emotions we go through, Yahweh is capable of going through. I believe that Yahweh can be sad. I believe that Yahweh can be happy. I believe that Yahweh even has a bit of humor if you look at nature. I believe that all the emotions we have, Yahweh possesses. You know, I'm sure that it broke his heart to see and watch his son die the way he did. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered the sacrifice he made? Because scripture says he so loved the world. And, you know, he loved us while we were yet sinners. And that's the amazing thing about it. He loved us. We didn't do anything. You know, some people, they think they're deserving and they think they're great. I'm telling, telling you not one person in this audience is worthy of the promise and of the gift that he's bestowed upon us. So do we appreciate Yahweh's sacrifice of giving his only begotten son as a sacrifice for our sins? And also... Do we appreciate Yahshua for the sacrifice that he made? If we do, we should be thankful. You know, I know that life can be hard. I know that as human beings, we have a tendency to forget, and we all do. We all get so caught up in what we're doing. We get caught up in our jobs. We get caught up in our relationships. We get caught up maybe in something else, and we forget. We're not cognizant, and that's why I say we have to choose to be happy. We have to choose to be content. We have to choose to be thankful. We have to choose to be grateful. Because if we don't choose, if we're not cognizant, if we're not aware, if we don't strive to remember these things, we will not. We need to remember the sacrifice Yahweh gave by watching his only son die horrifically for our sins. And we need to choose to be thankful for the death Yahshua paid so that we would have a redeemer and a savior in this life. Nothing in this life means more than him, them, his word, his kingdom. So as a believer in the Messiah, it's important to remember that we're called to receive a great promise. Yahweh has given each one of us an opportunity to accept the sacrifice of his son And, you know, I always make it a point, by the way, when I witness to people, I say, look, just like you, I said, I believe that we are are saved, we are uh, justified, redeemed solely through the blood of Yahshua. We can't earn that. 
Yahweh gave that as a gift. But he also says that once we receive that as a gift, that we have a responsibility, a calling, to live according to his word. Are we doing that? For those who do, he promises eternal life within his kingdom. And again, we've talked about that at length. There's nothing greater. And believe me, there's uh, really, really, there's just nothing. There's nothing beyond this. Well, I pray that this uh, message has been a blessing. I pray that, you know, as his people, we choose, again, to be thankful, that we choose to be grateful. Not a real deep theological message, but I believe today's message is important. I believe that Yahweh cares about our demeanor. He cares about our character. He cares about how we, how we interact. He cares about how we think. And I believe that he wants us to be thankful. He wants us to be grateful. And believe me, just because we know about the Sabbath just because we know about his name, just because we know about the feast days, just because we understand some of these key truths, doesn't mean we're thankful. And it doesn't mean we're doing everything right. So I would encourage everyone here to really contemplate what we've heard today. And again, try, choose to be appreciative of what Yahweh has done for us. And with that, may Yahweh bless each and every one.